Hey y'all, welcome back to Ask a Catholic Therapist. Uh, Dr. Matt Bruninger here. Hey, this episode I wanted to talk about mindfulness a little bit. Uh, what is mindfulness? Is it always bad? And why do we seem to have such an aversion to it in Catholic therapy? So I want to say this. Let me start off by saying, certainly to some extent, the language of mindfulness comes from the Eastern tradition. Right? It's imported from, from Eastern religions and philosophies like Buddhism. But I don't think that it always has to, I don't think we have to avoid it at all costs. I don't think it's always bad. Um, here's why. So how do we, th what's the definition of mindfulness? Mindfulness is paying attention on purpose to the present moment, non-judgmentally. And we'll talk about that last one in a little bit, but paying attention on purpose to the present moment, non-judgmentally. And so the way I tend to explain this to, to clients and to students is something like this. Remember in gym class when your gym teacher would say, hey, everybody, okay, we're going to bend over and touch our toes now. You were stretching, right? You bend over, you touch your toes. You reach up, you touch the sky. Um, now put your arms out, right? look to the left, look to the right. Nobody thought that you were doing yoga, right? Parents aren't calling up the school saying, how dare you have my children doing yoga? They're, right? It's stretching. So not all stretching is yoga. Not all stretching imports um, the underlying beliefs, intentions, um, or you know, ideology of yoga. Similarly, not all paying attention on purpose imports the same beliefs, ideology, as Eastern religion. Now, learning to pay attention to the present moment or focus on my breathing doesn't mean that I believe I'm a God, I believe I'm divine, I believe that um, you know, I'm one with all things, right? And I'm not importing the ideology just because I'm paying attention. Just like not all stretching is yoga, not all intentional uh, awareness is Eastern religion, right? It's not all like evil mindfulness, right? In fact, it's a good thing to learn to pay attention on purpose to the present moment non-judgmentally. See, most of us actually, if we become aware of our thoughts, most of us don't pay attention on purpose. Most of us have thoughts pop in our head and our attention follows wherever, whatever thoughts pop in our head. We're not very good at directing our attention. And part of what mindfulness does, and this is why maybe using a different word could be helpful because it, it, some people equate mindfulness so strongly with Eastern religion that the word is the hang up. But part of what it does is it, help us, it helps us train our attention so that we can put our attention where we want it to go when we want it to go there. So if a thought pops up in our head that's particularly unhelpful in a moment, we can say, you know what? I'm going to bring my attention back to what I'm doing right now, my schoolwork, my chores, uh, reading to my kids, talking to my wife. This is where I want my attention to be, not up swirling about the bills or about the mortgage or about right, an email I received. Most of us struggle with that. Our attention gets attracted by our thoughts and then gets dragged all over. 
what mindfulness does is it helps us learn to train our attention almost like a muscle with practice we can train our attention so that we can notice when it's drifting or, or being pulled away and we can bring it back to what we want to focus on and there's great benefit to being able to direct our attention to what we want when we want it and so learning to pay attention is good to the present moment right i don't have to be stuck in the past or obsessing and, and fearful about the future and to pay attention to the present moment on purpose, not by accident, not just because this is where my thoughts happen to be, not just because this is where my attention happens to be, but I want it to be here and so I can therefore direct it. This is good. The non-judgmental part, and maybe this is the hang-up for a lot of people, the non-judgmental part is oftentimes when I label my thoughts good or bad right away, and most of us do, a thought pops up and we think good or bad. What we end up doing is when we have a bad thought, that means we have to push it away as quickly as possible, find a way to avoid it. And the problem with that is when we try to push thoughts away, when you try not to think about white polar bears, right? You oftentimes increase the likelihood and intensity of those thoughts. So the reason mindfulness says to pay attention non-judgmentally is because if we're in the habit of labeling our thoughts good or bad, we want to cling on really strong to the positive thoughts and we want to avoid the bad thoughts. And on face value, this might seem reasonable, but in practice, it's actually incredibly difficult. And what we end up doing is spending our whole life trying to avoid bad thoughts or structuring our world in such a way that we're not going to be likely to have bad thoughts or engaging in mental gymnastics and thinking about other things and expending a lot of energy to avoid negative thoughts as opposed to being able to be uh, allow a thought to come and go, right? Come and go without having to react to it. If I label my thoughts good or bad, I have to react to it. Bad thoughts have to be reacted to. They have to be pushed away, thwarted, avoided. Good thoughts have to be kept. So I think it's important to recognize that um, from a mindfulness perspective, the reason to say non-judgmentally is so that we don't expend a lot of effort trying to avoid in a way that's actually going to make our life worse. Now this isn't to say, certainly, if a lustful thought arises, if I can say there's a lustful thought and let it pass gently, I'm actually much more likely to have success than if I say there's a bad thought that's bad, just don't think about that, just don't think about it. By trying to tell myself not to think about it, and constantly monitoring my thoughts to see if I am thinking about it, I increase the likelihood of thinking about it. So I think it's important not to, to, to recognize that we can, hold, we can do mindfulness in such a way where we recognize there are objective goods and evils. There is a moral order. What we're trying to do is mentally not get caught up in an unhealthy cycle of avoidance. So I can know that a lustful thought isn't like, Lustful thoughts are immoral. When a lustful thought pops up, rather than jumping to the label, just say, there's a lustful thought. Right? The label of good or bad, just say, there's a lustful thought, and just let it pass. So that non I don't think that non-judgmental element has to mean we're denying a moral order. I think it can mean we're trying to avoid an unhealthy trap of uh, uh, falling into like broadly, not morally, but sort of broadly good or bad, 
where we say we want to avoid bad, we want to hold on to good, and thereby actually increase the likelihood of us experiencing an intensity of these unwanted thoughts. Okay, so not all paying attention on purpose to the present moment means that you are doing something Eastern and bad. I think you can, you can have a Catholic vision of this. Um, we might call it recollection, right? Um, the spiritual writers, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, we talk about recollection, sort of how we become fragmented throughout the day, our thoughts and our desires, to bring all of that back to the present moment so we can be attentive to God and God alone. Perhaps it's a, a better word for people. But I, I want to say this too uh, about mindfulness. I was talking to somebody recently, very good Catholic, um, and this person said, all this mindfulness stuff, I think, it, I think it focuses too much like on the person. You just become self-focused. And so she referenced in particular the body scan. Part of mindfulness, how to train your attention, is you pay attention to parts of your body, from your toes all the way up to your face. And all it's intended to do is strengthen your attentional abilities. Every time your attention wanders, you gently bring it back to paying attention to your feet or your calves or your quads or and it's just to give you practice of paying attention and this person said you know it's just too much self-focus and this body scan stuff and something that struck me is that I think human beings but Catholics in particular really struggle to this day with a sort of either platonic or Cartesian dualism what I mean by that is, we're, we're a body-soul unity. You are a body. You're not a soul that's trapped in a body. The soul isn't like the truest part of you and then we shed our mortal coil and then we're like fully ourselves. No, it, it's, and, and what Descartes, who said, I think, therefore I am, we're not just some abstract mind. That's not the realest part of us. We are a body-soul composite. We're a hylomorphic unity. Which means that it, we, we can and should pay attention to our bodies. And I think what ha sometimes happens when Catholics, and, and sort of rightfully so, want to reject materialism, they look at the history of psychology and they think about behaviorism. And behaviorism sort of thought, all that matters is your actions, what your body does. And we structure our environment with punishments and rewards, stimulus and response, and all we focus on is your behaviors, right? What your body's doing, how you're acting. This came out of a, a really materialist uh, theory. And so I think sometimes what Catholics do is they want to reject that strong materialism and say, no, there is something real and supernatural and immaterial, the soul and the mind and so we, we actually subtly, sometimes I think overemphasize the mind, thinking that that's the truest and realest part of us, as if there's a strong separation between the mind and the body. That's the realest part of us. And so part of what mindfulness does is it does ask you to get in touch with how your body is feeling. Where are you noticing tension, tightness? warmth and cold, um, 
does the experience of pain in one part of the body, is it experienced by the entirety of your body? Are there other parts of your body that aren't experiencing that pain? What's it like to feel pain in a very localized place, but not everywhere? I think Catholics dislike some of the mindfulness stuff because it does focus on the body. And I think we, we actually struggle against being Cartesian dualists. We struggle thinking that the realest part of us is our mind and all we need to focus on is our mind and our abstract, right? The abstract mind and that's, that's what's realist. That's immaterial and that's good and we need to hold that and maintain that. And we actually do something where we sort of eschew the body as bad. Is it true that the intellect needs to bring the body's desires under order and reason? Yes. But our body is good and our body gives us information that's valuable and it's worth paying attention to our bodies. Our bodies, um, they can tell us a fair amount about what's happening, how we're feeling, um, where we may be struggling. Um, it's not, we're not just abstract minds, we're embodied. And so paying attention to the body learning to be attentive to the body actually can be an incredibly helpful thing to grow and to flourish. Take eating, for example, I'll end with this example, but take eating, for example, sometimes people overeat precisely because they haven't learned to eat mindfully. It's not a problem of, right? They know sort of maybe intellectually how much they should eat or what a normal balanced diet looks like or, but their body sort of takes over and they go into autopilot. What we actually want people to begin to pay attention to is what does the feeling of hunger actually feel like? When your mind says I'm hungry, what is the actual experience in the body? What does feeling full feel like? Notice it. Learn to be aware of the feeling of fullness. Learn to be aware of the feeling of hunger. What does your mind tell you about your hunger? By learning to pay attention to the experience of the body, we can actually um, gain a more accurate perspective of what's happening, why we behave the ways we behave, and what we believe about certain things. So when I think hunger is unbearable, right, it's the belief I have. But then when I actually sit and become aware of what hunger feels like, it's actually a really interesting sensation. Somewhat of an empty feeling. But it changes, it comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. Sometimes it's sharp, sometimes it's dull. Sometimes it feels empty, sometimes it morphs and changes. To be aware of the actual physical sensations of this allows me to recognize intellectually, cognitively, being hungry isn't unbearable. I can actually hold my hunger, I'm okay. It's not as awful as my mind tells me it is. And so, I think we actually undersell what our bodies can tell us and teach us. And in doing so, sort of subtly or not so subtly become um, these sort of dualists, abs you know, Cartesian dualists, body bad, mind good. And we need to purify the desires of the body as much as we need to purify the desires of, of the soul. Um, we need to bring the desires of the body under our reason, but our bodies give us tremendous amounts of insight and data that's important. You are a body. And so I think we shouldn't be afraid of paying attention to our bodies, 
intentionally on purpose in the present moment. In fact, so many of us try to avoid sensations in our bodies. When you get butterflies in your stomach, hmm, I want to avoid that. That's anxious. So we act. When you feel shaky, your hands feel tremulous. Ooh, I'm panicking. So we react. I think we can actually learn to pay attention to those feelings and be interested in them. And by doing so on purpose, we actually give ourselves the freedom to choose how I want to act. I don't just become reactive. I don't go into autopilot when my hand shakes. I don't go into autopilot when I feel butterflies. I can actually say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what's happening. Maybe I want to hold this feeling in my body and keep doing what I'm doing anyway. Or maybe I want to choose to remove myself from the situation because it's harmful to me. Or maybe my mind's telling me it's harmful, right? But maybe it's not really. I'm experiencing this in my body. My body's saying danger, but maybe it's not really. So it gives us, the body gives us data. And by learning to pay attention to it, we can actually cultivate a deeper sense of freedom where we don't have to be reactive or go into autopilot based on certain sensations in our body. We can pay attention to them, be aware of them, and then choose how we want to act. And so I hope this is helpful. I think there's some great discussions to be had around this. And I think we shouldn't shy away from these discussions. I don't think we should, um, we should avoid importing Eastern religion uh, where it's untrue into the faith. But, but maybe we could take our, our lead from St. Thomas, who St. Thomas Aquinas, who engaged pagan philosophers, Muslim philosophers, and right took what they had, sifted through it, retained what was true, got rid of what was false, and um, wasn't afraid right, to, to be in dialogue with these, with these um, other systems. And so look, we can take and retain what's good and true about learning to pay attention on purpose to the present moment non-judgmentally. We should eschew anything that's directly in contradiction to the faith, but there are things there that are good and can be helpful. And I think we need to have uh, more robust discussions around this stuff. So anyway, um, I'm sure we'll talk about this more at some point. But I hope that helped give a little clarity on uh, mindfulness and the fact that we don't have to be afraid of a certain type of mindfulness or intentional awareness or recollection or reflection. And we don't have to assume that the word always imports false beliefs or ideologies or theologies or philosophies. So I hope this helps and we'll talk to you soon.